Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Wade, as we're saying hello to everybody. And uh, it's a beautiful Friday here in Rogers, Minnesota. We're sitting down with Mr. Dan Block, manager of our store here in Rogers. And on the other side of things, we have one of the awesome design engineers from Matthews, Mr. John Scoville. He's over in Sparta as we speak. How are you doing today, John? Good. How about both of you guys? We're doing good. Groovy. Just going through the motions here in February. Just get past this month and then we're golden. Yeah. Yeah. This is the uh, get a lot done month. Yeah. Get a lot done. And every time that door bell rings, it looks like a a flag on ice fishing tip up goes up. All of us, our eyes and ears perked up. But we're having fun and we did this on purpose. Today we're talking about Matthews, Matthews Archery, the new release for 2023. Usually we'll do this back in end of November, December, but we decided to let the bow and social media and Matthews do their part. And then we're going to come back in and we got John last year. We talked to Mark last couple of years, Mark. And then before that, we've talked to some of your pro shooters, but this year we wanted to get like the nitty gritty. We wanted to get inside of an engineer's head and there's some things I'm just going to put a disclaimer out there for the listeners. There's some things that John cannot talk about. And you have to respect that. There's some questions that I'm going to ask him, then there's going to be a void. And the reason being is some of those questions are patents and there's things going on. And so just respect that as a listener. But John, we're super happy to have you on. This is the first time that we've had you on a podcast, but you and I have been talking in the past. If you wouldn't mind for our listeners, a little history, a little uh, rewind, I guess you could say, where, when you came about to Matthews, what your background is, where you went to school. And, uh, of course, everyone likes to hear about your hunting and your where you come from that. So take us on a little ride. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, first of all, I'm, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you guys and share as much as I can. Like you said, it, there'll be some things you'll ask, but that's your job. you got to ask it, and my job is to not share too much. <laughs> so we'll do as best we can. But um, I've been at Matthews for just over five years now. I started here straight out of college. I got super fortunate, super lucky to get my foot in the door at the perfect time. You know, it's a really small, small tight knit team here. And and there's a lot of people who would love an opportunity here and it's hard to get. And I, I just talked to the right person at the right time and they happened to be hiring. So I, you know, straight out of school, I got my dream job and been able to work and grow here and learn a ton from Matt and Mark, who you mentioned and the team here. And it's been it's been awesome. You know, it's pretty cool every day getting to work on something you're really passionate about and something that, that excites a lot of people and a lot of like-minded people. So I started, I'll try not to make this too long-winded of an answer, but I, I started as a test engineer, which as a young kid right out of college sounds pretty awesome, right? You get to test things and break things and test competitors' products and Matthew's products and get your hands on everything and learn a ton. And, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome to have free range when you, when you give me a bow and say, tear this thing apart and figure it out and, you know, shooting crossbows and other bows and learning how things work. And that role kind of developed into this design engineering role that I'm at now. And, you know, kind of takes the testing to the extreme where you actually get to test the products that you're working on and 
designing day to day. So it's a, it's a super awesome company to be at. It's, it's fun every day. You never know. You know, we were talking just briefly here before we got started about, you know, Matt McPherson, he's still, you know, super involved. He's hands on and you never know what ideas he's going to come up with. So every day he comes up here with something new and we just got to adapt and figure out how to make it work. So it's new, crazy ideas develop pretty quick around here. And it's a, uh, it's a fun time to, to be an engineer for sure. Cause you get, you get to engineer without boundaries. Really. There's no, there's nothing outside the box that we're not willing to try. So it's a, it's a pretty awesome place and I feel pretty fortunate and I, uh, feel pretty fortunate to be able to use these products on, on things I like to do too. You know, I had the best fall of my life this year. I started in, uh, on the hall road in Alaska on the caribou hunt DIY with my dad and uncle and brother. I killed not a giant caribou, but I killed a caribou, which for a Midwest boy is pretty good. I was pretty excited. Yeah. Any, any caribou. Yeah. I was, I was pumped, man. It's, uh, if you ever get a chance to do it, I recommend doing it. It's hard. It's not easy, it's, but it's different than anything else you ever do. Um, did that and I came back to work for a couple of weeks and then headed out to New Mexico on an elk hunt and killed my first ever bull elk there. So it was just off to an amazing start. And when I came back and I, on the second weekend of the whitetail season here in Wisconsin, I killed a 141 inch eight point, which is, the biggest eight I've ever killed in my second biggest buck That's a stud. It was, uh, <clears throat> it was a heck of a year. That was all at the phase four, you know, before it, before it was launched. So, and was, that's, uh, I was going to ask you, um, two things. First, you guys already seen the pictures that, uh, John is sending us winked right there. <clears throat> we decided, <laughs> we decided to go with his trophy photos rather than him with a pocket protector and a pair of glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, quick question. How, how hard is it when you have your, your dad and your, your brothers or your family members, and then you go, you know, I don't know if you're with an outfitter, but you're around people off and on. Like yeah. how, how hard is that, that you have to keep your bow in a case? You can't really like, is, is everybody got to be on board? Do you got to be super careful about that? Cause you guys do, you, I mean, we do the um, proving ground videos obviously. And those are, those are shot way before release. But as, you know, personally, we don't really talk to anybody <clears throat> that has to deal with that. How do you, is it super hard? Is it inconvenient? Um, it's not super hard. It's a little inconvenient, um, but it's mostly just staying vigilant on not making sure people know. You know, the people I'm with know that it's a new product. That they know, hey, don't ask too many questions. You'll find out eventually. And I'm just really vigilant on no pictures from anyone else's phone except for my own. You know, when I flew to Alaska, I, I had limbs without limb graphics on them still. You know, obviously there was the resistance phase dancing in there, but I figured I'm the first one out of the building with this bow. I'm going to make sure that at least the name doesn't leak for me and I'm going to keep it locked. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to kill my caribou on the first day. So I, I had it, you know, I flew with it through the airport. I, had it out in Alaska for one day, shot, and I killed <laughs> my caribou, and then I tucked it away in the cage for the rest of the week and helped everybody else hunt. So it's uh, there's definitely some times where you're like, hey, can we, 
delete that picture off your phone quick. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah that's what, you know, we'll I mean, <clears throat> cause you want to, you want to recap the memory and if you're a social media guru or not, you're like, okay, now I, I have, this is all banked. No one's iCloud yeah. can be close to mine. We're not going to share, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it, not, yeah, not that it would be stressful because I assume you had <clears throat> the bridge lock stabs. And of course you said your yeah. limbs were dear, but you're like, you know, it, for me, when we're hunting the internet of course everything's blurred out and 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 you're the pro hunters and the guys that we see all the time and gals they're getting really good at just not taking pictures with the bow mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden release date and the same picture you see and you're like oh yeah there it is right. there it is yeah um, i always well, wondered how amazing. hard it was it's amazing how many people find something that you don't even notice in your own photo you know i don't even send photos internally people who worked here with the bow before it's launched because you never know you know I, I got one one quick remember my first year working here i got the bow you know maybe a week or two before launch so not not that early but i killed the whitetail with it and i sent a picture to my mom and my mom was you know proud mother she wanted to post it on facebook oh, and i was like no 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 mom please don't please yeah. please don't um and thankfully saved it but it, it's always the joke around here is huh. You know, we don't want anyone to leak it, but who's going to be the one to leak it? Because you get it in enough people's hands, and right. unfortunately, if someone gets a picture and it gets shared to the wrong spot, mm-hmm. we've done pretty good about it, but there always seems to be a little Well, and, and little the thing is, <clears throat> like we have Jake, our owner, he gets to go down and, uh, and visit with you guys in-house. Yeah. And, and, of course, like we get bows prior. I, did, I got granted the opportunity to do a video way before anybody knew. And it's super, what customers don't understand is, oh, we got good customers come in and it'll be a month and a half before. And they're like, oh, what is it? Well, is six it? months before. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, seriously, I do not know. Yeah. And they, and they act like we have it in the back room or something. Right. And you're like, <laughs> no, it's like the reps don't come around. They don't give us a preview. Like it's seriously on November 15th or whatever day it is that, that morning, our alarms are going off at midnight or eight o'clock when the website releases it. Now this year <clears throat> was a little bit different. It was different yeah. for me, but in, in the same sense, like Dan's one of my best friends in the world and he, and he never, he knows the game. He's like, I'm not even going to ask you. Mm-hmm. He says, well, let's yeah. talk Tuesday. And I'm like, thank you. Thank God. Because <laughs> you know, he, him and Jake are the only ones I, besides our videographer, mm-hmm. which Nate did it with all the bull releases. So I bet it was extremely hard for him, but it, it's a different well, game. Can- even internally here, guys, you know, our sales reps are really good and they're really good about not asking the engineering and marketing team because it's in their best interest to not know too because then when, when you got shops calling and consumers calling, hey, what's, what's the product? They can honestly say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, up until a little bit before launch, they really don't know too much about it. And, 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 and that's the easiest that way. way to they do it. Yep. That's the easiest way to do it. And that's the only way to do it, honestly. But right. all right, let's get to let's get to the meat and potatoes. This year in twenty twenty three, thank you for your uh, your history on that. Congratulations on your fall. Thank Pictures you. look good. This yeah. year we uh, <clears throat> we change. It's called a phase four. We have a twenty nine inch model, same as last year, and a thirty three, same as last year, as far as axle to axle. But the biggest thing in archery with I hate, it's a swear word in the pro shops. People talk on archery talk. You have social media and, and everyone's like, well, they didn't change anything. They, they would not be in business. 
you would not be sitting here talking to me if you guys did not change anything. There wouldn't be an awesome engineering team. You guys are already busting butt for next year. Like this is a 365 day passion, let alone an income. But Mm -hmm. so, and then you guys also released what we call an image, which we're going to kind of save that and talk a little bit. That is a 29 riser, but we've different deflection, different limbs. It doesn't have the phase um, resistance phase dampening limb on the image, but it's meant for lower poundage keeping older generations in a straight bow. And of course your ladies and your children that want a high performance phenomenal. It has been a huge, huge hit this year. Bow would just, it maxes out at 50 pounds. Uh, But we'll we'll talk about the image in a little bit. First and foremost, the resistance phase dampening. That's when people pick this bow up, if it doesn't have a set of stabs on it already, there's a black line that runs through each limb and it's not just two limbs on top and two limbs on bottom. It's four. <clears throat> Take us down what that is, how it came about. If you're whatever you can and can't tell us and why it is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll start with, I think, I think he and you talked, you know, right before launch about the, what you just hit the nail on the head with is there's actually eight limbs not four, right? When you first look at it, you're like, it's just a piece of rubber, you know, glued to the top and bottom of this, but it is actually limb, rubber, limb on every spot where traditionally they'd be four, and now we have eight limbs. So the the idea came a while ago from Matt, um, and it just wasn't really feasible um, or possible manufacturing or how we were doing it. And you know, he's had ideas for a while and it's like, how can we make this even better? You know, we know that our vibration numbers have been the best and we test them every year against competitors. And it's like, how do we get, you know, that next little step you're talking about a really small percentage of vibration that the shooter's feeling, but how do we improve it even more? And how do we improve the sound? Because for us as hunters, we want our rig to be as quiet as possible. And you also don't want your bow to beat you up when you're shooting it. So, you know, this was an idea that Matt came to us and and we had talked about before, but he's like, I really want to try and get this going this year. And Mark kind of joked, he's like, that's a 2024 option. And I looked at him and smiled and I was like, I think that's 2023, man. I think we're going we're to make it happen. And so we started, we went off, we bought some 3D printers. We started prototyping molds and we were pouring rubbers. We were it was funny, actually. Have you guys ever heard of plastisol? It's the material that people pour bass baits out of. And so when they're making their own custom bass fishing baits or ice fishing crappie stuff, um, people cut their own molds and they'll pour it. So we we bought some plastisol. We cut some aluminum molds. We were kind of making anything work that we could. And we were, we were molding it in-house. It's something we've never done before, but it was the only way we could prototype this. And we got several iterations and just kept going for it. What, what durometer feels better? What, you know, what, what thickness feels the best? Where, what, where do we need to flare out at? How tight does the fit need to be? You know, we played with all of it, but it was, it was awesome. And I think that speaks volumes to the team here at Matthews, you know, as a whole, our machine shop or engineering department, our owner willing to take a chance. And then all the guys here being able to rally and, and cut parts and, start learning how to mold and figure that out in house and, and move quick enough to, to make it happen. And 
you know, when we first started testing it, some of the high speed videos we have and just the sound levels and vibration levels we tested, it blew all of us away. You know, I think it was better than our highest expectations for it in terms of, you know, we knew we thought it would do something, but it really, really took it to the next level for us. And if you would, John, explain, <clears throat> I kind of used what you, you taught me about taking a limb out of phase at full draw, letting it come back into phase. If you wouldn't mind, like, what's the geeky terminology? What's the professional engineering terminology? Why is that important? Well, if you think, you know, when your limb is a solid fiberglass limb, um, you're obviously, there's a lot of energy in your bow when you shoot your arrow. All that energy has to go somewhere. Well, it's easiest with an illustration, but the that limb is flexing. There's kind of a wave going through that limb. Well, now when it's two separate limbs, I guess I should take a step back. When that one limb is waving through, that it's in phase with itself. So there's it's just going to kind of keep rippling until it's done. Well, if you put that piece of rubber in between the two limbs and they're rippling at different frequencies or out of phase with each other, that rubber will try and slow them down as fast as possible to bring them back in phase and dampen that even quicker. Um, I think it's a, it makes a lot of sense with an illustration. Kind of you that. have two things rubbing against each other, um, but it makes sense that the two things are going to dampen quicker than just the one that has no reason to stop. That, that rubber is there to kind of correct both both limbs essentially is that yeah absolutely so okay. it's you know it's able to you're going to get that with any bow any style um and it's happening after the arrow is gone so it doesn't have an effect on the performance of the shot as much as it does just heard noise and felt vibration for the shooter so it's more of a shooter experience thing um but it's pretty incredible how much faster it does touching the entire surface of the limb. So the whole limb is working to really deaden itself. And, and then also quiet, like, yeah, it's crazy. We we had four or five carryover bows from last year. So when we got the new, the, the demo promo package in, we literally, one guy would stand here and one guy would stand there three feet apart and you'd shoot and you, you could, you could tell Mm -hmm. you could hear um, yeah, noise, like you say, it's kind of a two way street. So you have the enjoy the, there's no, absolutely no hand shock for the shooter makes it more enjoyable, but also quiet, which is helping you. Cause we've all heard the, you know, the, well, they jumped the string or they, you know, the sound of the bow going off. Well, if you can make quiet, quieter, air quotes, you're, you're yeah. benefiting everything. And the, a big question we have. We don't have, there's, there's some, there's always consumers that will wait and kind of wait and see and then wait and wait and see. And, and, and the other day I asked a really, really good customer of ours, Dan, and, and I deal with him all the time and he shoots a ton for 3d. He's been to Africa last year, shoots a ton of whitetails. And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to wait and see if that rubber holds up. And I kind of looked at him like and he's went, treating it like a new pickup, like a new engine yeah. or something like, oh, I'm just going to let them figure out the first year yeah. issues. Well, and yeah. I kind of looked at him and said, dude, like it's figured out. It, 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 yeah. You guys have tested it cold. You've tested it hot. Like it's not, it's not doing anything. Yeah. To the extremes. I mean, we've had, 
obviously on every hunt this fall, you know, it's been all over the world. Um, but even before that, you know, we'd, we'd bake it in an oven at 200 degrees for a couple hours and then shoot it. We'd throw it in the deep freeze for a week and then shoot it. And it, it reacts as well, if not better than any bow we've ever tested on under any of those conditions. You know, that rubber is flexing with the limb, but the, the limb itself is doing the work and the rubber's just damping. So it's not a, you know, it's not something that you'd want to do, but technically your bow could perform without the rubber in there. So it's, you need it in there for safety reasons, but we have, we have done it without it. And I think uh, the, the rubber can only help. There's not a possibility that we've seen or tested that it could negate any performance that you have on your bow. It is a, uh, it's extremely enjoyable to shoot. It's, it's very, and what I, re, I like it as, as a bow technician, um, down on the end of the limb, the ear or what we call the press ear, it's got a, it's a little bit beefier cause we have a little bit wider profile, uh, holding the end of that together. Uh, it's phenomenal going in and out of a press, like super easy. As we move down from the limbs, Okay, bridge lock came out. We had from from the introduction of the verdicts, we had the inline rest, the dovetail on the back of the rest. That was like the first little preview of this and, and it's it's huge. It makes your rest incredibly light. It's very, very solid. It's a two piece fit. Streamline. Yeah. 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 And then we got last year we got introduced to what the bridge lock site is. Uh if you don't know what that is or you're if you're running a Matthews and don't have a site inside the riser you know, you might as well be shooting in the seventies cause you're just, you're missing something huge. But, but then all of a sudden you guys spoiled us with something that has not, you know, stabilizers have been around forever. You guys have made your own stabilizers. A couple of years ago, you came out with the flat line, um, extremely quiet vibration, whatever you want to say on that. It has the EHS harmonic dampening system in that, but then you redesigned the whole cart. Like, Everything is different. Not only can we put the stabilizer in the riser, but it's a different stabilizer. Yeah, it's a, that's kind of a passion, passionate subject for, for this team up here. You know, we've had sales and marketing and outside people for a while asking, are you guys going to make a new stabilizer? Are you going to make a new stabilizer? And the answer's always been, well, it needs to be better. We don't just want to make a new stabilizer to make a new stabilizer and, you know, the idea was, like you said, you know, bridge locks kind of evolved and everything was getting closer to the bow and tighter. And then we went through the riser and I was like, well, we could do that with the stabilizer as well. And we thought about it like, what are the benefits of that? You know, stiffer connection point, weight on the stabilizer where you want it. You know, it, it balances so much better. The balance point is better. Um, and with that stiffer connection, we can have an aluminum bar that's stiffer than a lot of carbon tubes. And by the way, it's adjustable. It's the first ever tunable stabilizer, you know, half inch increments. You can go in and out and, and also storage. I that first flew to Alaska this year with the stabilizer. I left my front bar and my back bar on my bow and just slid them in and threw it in my case for the first time ever. I didn't have to take my stabilizer off. So it kind of evolved into this, this product that was better in every way in our opinion, you know, everything we tested, it was an improvement. It wasn't just another stabilizer. It was different and it was 
better and it was, you know, it was an exciting new innovation that, you know, a product that hasn't changed in a long time. You know, people have put different weights out there, different high modulus carbon tubes, but no one's ever, never done it this way. And, and now that we can, I think it opens up the door for a lot of possibilities. And I know Dan can vouch for this as well. Um, <clears throat> me coming from a target background, Dan has shot stabilizers from all over and done everything. We, we personally, as a management team here at the shop, like we got together and like, okay, how are we going to pitch this? How do we, you know, cause it's not, it's, it's an investment. How are mm-hmm. we, we're going to have to sell our shoes off to do this. And honestly, I mean, we, we talked to you off air, but we don't have to hardly do anything. If anything, we say stronger connection point. And lay it out like, okay, if you take a carbon tube, high mod or not, and then you put an aluminum sleeve over it, and then you put a stainless steel stud in there, like that's three to six different connection points that can either become weak or they can create vibration or they can even dramatically cause noise. You say that, by the time you're done with a spiel, they've already grabbed the stabs and put them on a counter. Kind of sell themselves, yeah. Yeah. Even like the weight system is pretty neat. I don't know if you can explain that at all, but... Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, with, you know, we, we talk about the, the attachment points of the bow being different, but, but with that, you know, everyone's had, if you had more weight to a stabilizer, you get a long stud up front. And we were like, well, since we don't have this carbon tube to run the stud into one, it's wasted weight. It's inefficient. And if I need a different one, depending on how many weights I put on there, um, it's just not ideal for this new bar. So we needed to come up with a completely new system for um, adding weights to the stabilizer as well. So the interlink weight system is pretty awesome. It, it, it's all done with one screw in the head of the stabilizer. And so what it does is that screw from the bottom has a cone on it and it drives, uh, it meets another cone at a 45, which drives a pin through every single weight and engages all of the dovetails. So hopefully I can do a good job explaining that, but, but basically each weight has a dovetail cut into it and they will slide onto each other and you can stack them up to 14 weights. And when you tighten that screw on the end, it basically engages every single dovetail. So it's tight. So one screw does it all. It's, it's better because you don't need to, if you had 10 weights, you don't need a longer stud. You just add more weight. You know, need to have a long stud in there for a guy that only shoots one weight. He doesn't need to have the stud screwed in. He doesn't need that hanging in his carbon tube to um, shoot a lighter stabilizer that fits well with his setup. So it's really customizable. It's super adjustable and it gives options out there for just about every shooter and style of shooting that they like to do. And another key point on that, um, I, I run notorious for running a 12 to 15 inch front bar like i just i really like a long bar get the weight away and down i angle it at eight degree but a quick disconnect even from matthews which you guys teamed up with shrewd that's an awesome quick disconnect eight degree or straight in the past and then you have a slug that we put on that every once in a while you know because like when i when i transfer it in my case whenever i got to take the long stabilizer off put it on or if you're shooting a little bit and it comes a little bit loose it'll ride up the biggest thing that i can tell you 
one, I never have to take the stabilizer off. So that, that weakens, but people are saying, well, okay, well, if I bought just a regular stabilizer and it's longer than six, seven, eight inches, I need a quick disconnect. Well, there you're in it to a 30, 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. Get rid of your disc quick disconnect, get a bridge lock sta- stabilizer. And you've just eliminated two weak points and also inconvenience. So it's yeah. a win-win. And like, and I don't know what it is about the aluminum. Cause I, you know, I'm kind of a, I don't have, I, we have a Hooter, Hooter shooter and we, we can test things on that. But as far as feel and weight, for some reason I'm getting away with running less weight on my 12 inch bridge lock, which we just got by the way. And yeah, those, those just started shipping, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just literally last the beginning of last week and then the beginning of this week. So we do have some for customers listening, but I'm running less weight and getting the same hold and a lot of that has to do with Matthews, their, the riser configuration. It's an extremely long riser for a 29-inch axle axle bow, an extremely long riser for a 33-inch axle axle bow. And that entailed helps you hold. It has nothing to do with your, a little bit to do with your string angle, but uh, the forgiveness and the stability platform of a bow doesn't really come from the axle axle. It comes from your riser length. And I think you hit a home run and now we've lightened up the riser just a little bit on the phase four this year. So overall aspect is just, it's killer for guys that are average shooters that shoot the bow hunter class in leagues. Like we've seen their scores go up the last couple of years shooting a 33, you know, it's a, it's almost like you could consider it a hybrid bow for the tack shooters, the 3d shooters, even indoor Shooting a 33, it's the same same riser length as if it had like a TRX 36. Yeah, that we compare them all the time in the house. You know, we're like, man, this bow is awesome. Why does it shoot so good? And you'll go set it on a target bow, and you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, the the target bows are great, and they they definitely fit the niche. But for a guy who's used to a hunting platform, that bow is as stable as you'll find. And just to hit one more point. I think you've kind of hit it on the stabilizer. You had the quick disconnect. Well, it's it's weight in the wrong area again. So you talk about shorter stabilizer, being able to run it with less weight and having a good balance. Well, that balance point's improved so much, especially if you're used to using the quick disconnect. It might bump your stabilizer out another inch, let's say, but you're adding all that weight at the wrong part. You want the weight as far out away from your bow as possible. And so when you're adding weight closer and closer to your riser and to your hand, it's not really helping anything with your float or your balance or your aiming of your bow. So I think the light bar and the good attachment point and light attachment point, putting weight where you need it, guys, guys are finding they can get away with running less weight, a lighter overall setup and, and shoot it even better. And Dan, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's talk about the cams real quick. Cause they've been out for four or five years now. Verdicts. Like the switchweight series. Yeah. Yep. Cross-centric can't fight. Yeah. Verdicts. Yeah. Um, explain to everybody what you can do with one cam, one bow, not only weight, but draw length in the mod. All right. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, are you going to go on it, Dan? Nope. Nope. That's you. All right. The, uh, yeah, obviously switchweight's been around for a few years now and, it's uh, it's good for a lot of reasons. You know, once for a customer, for a shop, you know, resale, that bow will fit anybody. You know, from sixty to seventy-five pound peak weight, from twenty-five and a half 
the 30 inch straw length. Did I say that right? 20, 26 to 30. Sorry, I know I am in front of me, but, um, and what we do with those individual mods is we're efficient at every draw length and every draw weight. So that's, that's unique to us for sure. It's, it's a really big deal and something that we probably don't talk about enough is all bow manufacturers advertise their specs at 70 pounds, 30 inches. But what about the guy who shoots 26 and a half inch draw length at 62 pounds? Is that a good bow for him? In a lot of cases, no. You know, our bows, you have a custom mod just for that. So if you're storing as much energy as you could be and shooting it efficiently, compared to if you had an adjustable mod and backing out your limb bolts, you won't be storing near the amount of energy that you should be at that draw length and draw weight. So instead of, you know, correlating to the 30-inch guy at 70 pounds, you're going to be... I don't want to just make up numbers, but five to 10 feet per second slower than maybe you should be. And that's a big deal when you're talking about, you know, arrow weights and what game you're hunting and, and all these things. If you're talking about losing five to 10 feet per second at a shorter draw, like that's a, that's a huge deal and something that we probably don't talk about enough because that's more the average guy, right? Not everyone's shooting a 30 inch draw at 70 pounds. That's not typical. That's what we advertise specs at, but, I don't know a lot of people who shoot that exact spec. So it's good to have every single guy and person kind of custom catered to, you know, to have, have your bow as good as it possibly can be at your specs. And it's absolutely um, customizable. And I like what you said. So the big thing, especially the further we get west of the river, you hear the big, the big uh, meat eater guys and the and the Cameron Haynes guys and like all these oh you got to shoot eighty pounds you got to shoot eighty pounds I'm here to tell you I've shot seventy seven pounds on since my VXR thirty one and a half seventy five pounds is just as efficient or the same as eighty pound limbs and it's still as smooth as butter with that cam. So if you're if you're a high poundage, you want very fast or you shoot a heavy arrow so you need the speed, <clears throat> like it's easily attainable. Now let's say I take the same bow, I'm a one bow customer and I got turkey hunting coming up in 2 months, I don't need to shoot 75 pounds. I can run into my shop or if you own the mods and switch it out and I'm shooting the same draw length at 60 pounds. All I got to do is recite in my pins. And I'm, the bow is just as efficient. The brace height has not changed. My peep height has not changed. Nothing dynamically has changed on the bow except for the way the mod is machined for poundage. As far as an engineer, yeah. that's something you guys should be extremely proud of. Yeah, and I think, I don't know how, we'll go as much detail as you guys will take here, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with ever looking at a draw force curve. Mm-hmm. When the bow can pull back, you know, how much energy is stored, basically how much energy the archer is putting into it. Well, the biggest thing with switch weight, and it's, it's hard to show this, but you want to store as much energy as possible within reason. You don't want, you want a good shooter experience. But when you back your limb bolts out, that curve tips, and you're actually not able to store as much energy. And that's a big thing. You might not always lose efficiency, but you're losing the stored energy in the draw. So you're starting in the hole, you know, several foot pounds of energy. And that's equates to 
you know, a handful of feet per second. So your bow could be as efficient, but you never have a chance to hit the speeds that you want to. And that's just what backing the limb bolts out. So having a custom mod is a huge deal to adjust the weight. And, you know, people always think you lose efficiency when you back the limb bolts out, but a lot of times you're losing stored energy as well. And now for the last couple of years, we could take a 60 pound mod, put it in and let's say a a lady or an older gentleman can only handle about 45 to 52. So then we would back out the limb bolts and it did work. It wasn't, it like you say, we weren't really robbing efficiency, but that stored energy was down. But now, now all we do is we say, okay, instead of getting a phase four, look at this image. It is a phase four riser, 29 inch riser, and it maxes out at 50, 47, 43, 40 pounds. Now, if you need to go below 40, we can do that, but you know, we don't really have to. That the image is, is huge, huge, especially here. I don't know if it's this way, you know, when we talk about Eastern Wisconsin and central Minnesota, Northern Iowa and the Dakotas, we have some older gentlemen that they don't want to get rid of the vertical bow. They don't want to go into a mission crossbow or something of like that. Now we have an option that's going to be far more superior for accuracy, consistency, stored energy, the image that you guys came out with. Yeah, you, you nailed it again. Wait, I, one, one reference that hits, you know, fairly close to home, it's Mark's dad, who you, you talked to Mark quite a bit, but Mark's dad is, didn't want to pull as much weight anymore, but he definitely didn't want to get into a crossbow quite yet. And we came out with the image kind of at the perfect time for him. And he, he loves it. You know, it's, it fits that guy. And I bet you within the next year or two, my dad will be shooting that bow. And it's awesome because as an archer, you're passionate about that. And a lot of guys fight as long as they can to not give that up. Right. So this bow that fits, fits down to lower draw weight or draw weights and without losing the efficiency is a home run. It's, it's awesome. It fits that guy perfect. And even, even for guys, you mentioned turkey hunting. Like I think it would be an awesome turkey hunting, right? Cause you don't need much more than 50 pounds to go shoot a turkey. So I think it's an awesome bow for that. And it's, yeah. it's a huge deal, um, for getting the best performance out of a lower poundage bow that you never really had the option to before. And then come, you can get it in all colors. <clears throat> it's, it's basically just an add on. To, it's not labeled phase four. It's called the image. Um, we have them here. You can shoot them, mm-hmm. play with them. Your thoughts on the image, Dan? So far, it's been good. It has. Kids, yep. women. I think I think we've sold, uh, shoot, I don't know, a dozen of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> one lady who, she was kind of a, I don't want a woman's bow. I'm like, well, then don't shoot a woman's bow. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the Prima is kind of labeled as that, but. I know young men that are shooting primas and, and that, but now we have an image. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it actually, she, I think she's shooting 52 pounds and 27 inch draw and, and she actually could step up her arrow weight a little bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the tunability is really, really cool. As we're talking about tunability, I'm going to switch instead of talking about the engaged grip right now, let's the top at system. Um, sometimes I think we take it for granted, but this is a good time to get it out there for people. The days of moving your rest, micro adjusting your rest are kind of, it's still there. Sometimes you need to a click or two here and there, but 
a top hat system and a pro shop that that knows how the top hat system works essentially is revolutionized the way you tune a bow from not only through paper but also bare shaft tuning broadhead tuning you can keep clean a lot of the tuning up mess with the top hat system definitely i think i think what you said about the micro tuning your rest is it's still there but not as much you know i everyone here we set our rest straight down the middle right where it's marked on the riser to go and it's my absolute last resort i i haven't moved the rest on a bow in probably four years you know i, I don't like touching my rest i'd rather use my top hats and and tune it that way and you know, you've got three different sets of top hats um with a bunch of different combinations and the best part for me is you do it once you set it and you forget about it you don't have to keep playing with it and you know it's not going to move because it's in a fixed position um i think with a shop that knows what they're doing it's a pretty quick change you know a pretty simple way to look at it is you move the cam towards the tear you know left tear you move the cam to the left and it's it's a pretty foolproof system, um, and once you set it, you're good to go, and it's it's a pretty awesome awesome setup, like you said. And you, you do have to put the bow in a press, but it's you guys can speak to this. It, it doesn't take much time to switch the top hat, and <laughs> once you've done it, you know exactly what what change you probably need to make. It's probably a one or two change adjustment for you guys, and then that that customer's set, and they're good for as long as they own that bow. We timed it, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So rewind a little bit and Dan will talk about what we did. There was some dill weed that put out a video against three other. What did you call him? A dill weed. All right. (laughs) Just making sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, so they're like, oh, this bow company takes 15 seconds. This company takes 38 seconds. Well, to switch out top hats takes 35 minutes. And I was like, (laughs) did he just say minutes? He's got a, uh, yeah, it's a speed, video, yeah, <laughs> video and it's like, what are you doing? He time lapsed. He basically <laughs> disassembled the whole, he took the strings off and I'm like, Oh my God. So then Dan, Dan did it and we should have videoed it, but we're more professional than that. So <laughs> it's not that it's done. Yeah. Uh, top hat. That's the way you tune your bow. And, and I'll repeat this because we have to, it's fixed. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, and it's Never not moving. it's not spacers either. It's it's uh it actually slips inside of the limb. Think yeah. of a spacer, but it's and it looks like a mini top hat. It does. It yep. Slips inside the limb and yeah, it's yeah, so simple. It's in the Easy. limb over the axle, spacing that cam right or left. Mm-hmm. It has to be in a set. That's another thing I'm gonna ask you. So per cam, they have to be specific. The the top hats are marked with lines either on the bottom, one and two middle one and two or top one and two they have to match each other but correct me if i'm wrong john the top cam does not have to match the bottom cam correct and i think that's a pretty common misconception is you have to match each other up but you can put any different combination on the top or bottom so you know the three different sets they need to go together but you can do more than just flip those sets. A lot of people think of top hats, oh, I can just flip these. Well, you can do that, but that generally is a pretty big move. 
you know, if you have the smallest and biggest top hat combination together and you flip them, you probably made a way too big a move than you needed to um, in tuning your bow. So having all three options, both the top and bottom cam, gives you more than enough range of tunability for just about every archer. Yeah, there's 12 different combinations. You can move the cams, top and bottom. So you take <clears throat> your top two, let's say you had fats, flip them. There's two, four, six, and then two, four, six on the bottom. So they just have to match each other in the cam, but they don't have to. And when I say, uh, okay, now I'm making this confusing. <laughs> it has to be a specific distance, 0.175. Is that, I believe, or zero yep. one seven one seven five distance. Yep. Well, That's your spacing, but... Anyways, they don't have to match. The top cam doesn't have to match the bottom cam. So when you get it out of your box and you're looking at it and you're like, oh, my God, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. I got it. Let's rewind to the cam real quick <clears throat> because you're an engineer and I got to ask this. What is the difference between 80 and 85% besides uh, the way it feels on the back wall? Um, it's a little bit different than stored energy. So you get about <clears throat> one and a half to two feet per second faster with 80% let off and then it really just comes down to shooter preference too of what feel you like what holding weight you're going for where you're hunting if certain states have different laws that you need to be 80% let off um, but with the 80% mod you'll store just a little bit more energy and be just slightly faster so if you're a guy who wants every every foot per second those would be the mods that you want to try and does it change your draw length ever so slightly no, so not at all. So that's a good point, Wade. And another thing with having a custom mod for let-offs, weights, and draw lengths, that's something we're pretty passionate about here. Of if you have an adjustable mod and you change the, the let-off on that mod, you're actually in turn changing the draw length, which is just something that we will never be okay with here. I think it's a big deal. You know, I think adjusting your draw length is something that is a pretty big deal for each shooter and you might completely change your form or completely change how you're aiming and, and not even know why you're like, I just changed my let off. Why does everything feel different? Well, you're actually changing your draw length with an adjustable mod as opposed to when we make an 80% let off mod, it's the exact same draw length as an 85% let off mod. And that's cause it's a machined mod. You can control those tolerances. Yeah. We're not taking, yeah. a, not taking a set screw out and moving like we're literally there's an eighth inch. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. You're actually adjusting the mod stop on a lot of adjustable mods, which if you think about it, you're just pulling the bow a little bit further to get to that let off. Cause it is dropping off. You're just pulling it further to get past 80% and hitting 85, which is okay for some people, but, but not for us. All right. Dan and I have shot fixed quivers forever. And I really mean that when I say forever, until last year, <clears throat> you guys came out with the low pro detachable and also the low pro fix. That low pro detachable is the cat's meow when it comes to a quiver. I, there, I will say it hands down, and I love every every company out in archery around the world. There is no better quiver than that. No, I mean, where did that come? Because you guys have had Q light quivers and HD quivers forever, and everything was awesome. But you don't now. I mean. 
what's the ratio you guys are seeing between fixed and low pro detachable? Can you shoot with the low pro on? Give us a little rundown of the quiver. Um, low, the ratio in terms of like sales numbers you're asking or what are you? Sure. Yeah. What, what do you guys see? What are you shooting in the shops? Did you guys like it, you switched Dan and I, <clears throat> even Jake, was Jake a fixed? Mm-hmm. He, he shot a fixed quiver yep. forever. But, uh, you know, like, I, did you guys switch? Did you, have you always had a removable quiver? It's funny that the engineering team up here is pretty passionate about fixed quivers. <laughs> uh, and so that was the first one that was developed, but just about everyone else in this company is loves the detachable. And I've got a, a couple hunting stories where I've been with a buddy and he takes his quiver off to shoot and he needs to, it's a Western hunt and he needs a follow up shot and he's got to run back 20 yards to grab his quiver. And so ever since then, I'm like, I'm shooting a fixed quiver and regardless of how good the detachable one is, which it is. And we sell, I don't know the exact numbers, so I won't say them, but it, it is a higher percentage detachable. And it's, it's definitely, we feel the best detachable out there and it's awesome. But I just, personally, I like to have my arrows with me at all times, just in case something happens unexpectedly. But in terms of travel and adjustability and, shooting if you're in a white tail stand you can hang your quiver up you know i get all that stuff so there's definitely a great spot for the detachable but um as an engineering group we got pretty passionate and it's kind of a heated discussion around here about which one's better and for what reason but and then you know um, if for people that have never experienced or have it on it is detachable you can take it off it's one of the easiest to take off but honestly it's a detachable two-piece i mean if you look at the mounting heart we, we have a bow sitting in front of us our demo bow that's all i mean completely rigged yeah, out so we're, we're looking at it as we're talking to you john like yeah. so the connection points are extremely solid very tight tolerances it's connected in two parts so we don't have the the age-old arrow swag when you shoot because the cradle's always up high like when you shoot your fletchings go that's mm-hmm. gone um, you can adjust this slightly, you know, for arrow length on that, but it, it's a two piece fixed detachable kind of overall huge, yeah, I think, huge thing. I think how to get into a little bit of how it was developed is we made the fixed quiver first because our goal was to make the tightest quiver we could to the bow because of bridge lock. And so we made that quiver and we all decided the team, we knew it, we needed a removable version of that well we had just the brackets mounted on the bow from the fixed quiver and we're like man wouldn't it be awesome if this is all that was left once you took the quiver off and the detachable i was like yep but that's a good starting point let's do that and so from there we had to come up with how does it how does it attach and there's a bunch of versions and and trial and error and and everything but like you said you know that those machine parts on that are uh, the pretty dang tight tolerances it's as solid as as you can get it and you know as opposed to older style quivers holding just at the top of the arrow you're less vibration you know better feel better arrow containment you know all of that that quiver has and and by the way when you pull it off the boat it still kind of looks kind of cool in my opinion so it's a it's a pretty awesome all-in-one quiver for the guy that's used to taking his his quiver off but it also fits tight enough to the bow that if you want to shoot with it on you can it's not a not an awkward thing to do. So, 
kind of gives the, the archer flexibility to try whatever whatever they might want. And the thing about Matthews, as we continue on with all of the, like if you wanted to <clears throat> completely build the most efficient hunting system, you know, we, we sometimes we forget about talking about the SCS kit. Um, we forget about talking about the SAS, the stay of field system. You know, you the the SCS kit I think is a must. And yes, it's easy for me to say this because I I get a discount and I and I can have it on every bow. But for the simplicity of pulling the bow up in a tree stand, uh, there's no better system. I don't have to tie to the cam. I don't have to tie to the limb. And people say, "Oh, it only takes five seconds." Well, yes, this only takes two seconds to flip my rope over that and pull it up exactly straight, so the bow's balanced. And then when I let it down, I just go. You know, my, my arrows are always going down, fletchings up. I just flip to the bottom one. The sling, you know, there are, there are slings. You guys make one that will cover the cam and the strings and everything. And if, let's say, you're on a horseback ride to elk camp and you want to have everything protected, absolutely. Or even if you're backpacking out. But having the, the sling system with the SCS kit, easily rip it off, take a shot. You can shoot with it on if you had to, I guess you know, if you wrapped around your quiver or something. But little things that Matthews have done, and they're machined in, they're not in the way, they're hidden, they're nice, they're clean. The 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 way that you look at a bow, all the lines run together. Um, everything down to, we, we don't talk about the state field system, we should do that. We, we really, really overanalyzed it last year. Especially, we, we kind of catered to the out west guys or like you were in Alaska on your caribou. If something happened on your string, let's say you didn't shoot one on the first day and you got a little, you know, a little cut on your string or your D-loop because of humidity change and your peep is now, you know, a quarter off. With the stay of field system, it's not just for changing the strings and the cables, but you can rotate your peep. If you need it, if you know your bow's out of time, you can literally put a twist in a cable without having to press absolutely it's a must it's a i hate to say this as far as like being a salesman but it's like a, a 30 dollar lifesaver mm-hmm. where can that's you buy that's it? exactly what we call it Wayne. we call it 30 dollar insurance policy and you know if, you, if you're a guy that wants another set of strings get us get us another set of strings set up perfectly if, if it ever yep. did happen or the next time you change out your strings and cables just yeah. keep that old string don't take out the d you know peep side and leave the d loop on and and, and it's right. a very easy process. You, you back out the limbs yep. a couple turns and you, you just follow the, there's a QR code you can scan right on your phone and watch the video, or we can take five minutes and run you through it yep. on how it works. Uh, yeah. Life changer on that. The, the engaged limb legs. Yeah. We can't keep them in stock. Turkey I mean, hunting. Yeah. It's awesome. Turkey hunting, ground blind, even the practice, like Mark said, he, you know, a year ago he shot leagues with it on the whole entire time. You're not banging around your bow. You're keeping your cam out of the grass and out of the mud and out of the wetness and all of that. And it, it's actually, it's super light. I don't think you can get a better bow stand than an engaged limb legs. They make the slim, which fits on the Prima, but the standard is for every other bow, right, John? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's a, thank you for all the, the kind words about about Matthews, but that that product itself is is a funny one because once it got developed, that's what fan favorite around here. Everyone shoots them on all the time, and I can't I can't believe we ever shot without these engagement legs on. Why wouldn't we have? These? So it's once you have them, it's hard to 
hard to ever give them up for sure. And the only time you got to take them off is put it in the press or put it in your case. That's yep. the only super I mean, easy to uh, take them off too. Yep. Yeah. Um. Oh, we have the ability to pimp a bow out if you are a color guru. The EHS they make the rubber dampener colored. You guys brought in white this year, gray, granite. Yeah. Um, ambush. Yeah. So you can really like your stabilizers. Each have one. The bow has one. They come in a four pack, two pack, two pack, two pack. So I mean, you can you can make you can color it out as much as you want. You can get color sleeves for the quiver, which is you know I don't do it, but you can. Mm-hmm. I love it. We get we're gonna put you on the spot, John. Now, um, we want to know what your setup is. Obviously, you started hunting with it before we did. Actually, we had ours very, very fast, so mm-hmm. it wasn't. We I've hunted with mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack scored with his right away. But give us give you. And I don't want you to say, "Oh, I shoot a phase four twenty nine. Like I want to know. I want to. I want you to arrow setups, arrow sight, everything. rest. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast, guys. Uh, getting into arrow weight. Well, okay. We did the Just tell me what you shoot. Yeah, we're not going to pick you apart. Just right. Mark already well, told I know me what, what I do is best, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, um, all right. Well, phase four twenty nine. I've always been a shorter axle axle guy. I just grew up. I think my first Matthews was a DXT, and just haven't really ever shot a long axle axle bow. But I got the low pro fixed quiver on um, an Excel landslide that I custom rigged up. You still there, bud? Yep, there you are. Oh, what? No, you're good. We're good. We're listening. No. We're jotting this all and down so we can copy it. Okay. And then I got a 10-inch 10 10 inch Bridgelock stabilizer on the front and an 8-inch on the back. I normally don't shoot a back bar, but this year with the new bars, um, one, balance, and two, vibration and feel. It just it feels awesome with the back bar. I love how it sits, and I love there's nothing fully set up about bow shot vibration. So... With that, I, I got the regular Matthews grip on. I know I got throw some side plates and some tape, but I like I like my normal grip. And then arrow wise, I shoot Victory Rip TKO three fifty um, with three fletch tack veins two point seven five um, nocturnal lighted knocks, the universal fit, not the new ones. I like the the old, not the switch. I like the ones with the normal button on. And then I shoot. Rage tripans, and I also use Iron Will's hit hit uh, insert system and their collars. So I kind of get a custom. I don't shoot any of. I love Victory's arrows, but I don't shoot all their components. But I love the Iron Will hit system, the toughest and best weight combination that I've found for sure for my setup. And I'm also shooting the 350 spine arrows at 75 pounds, 29 inch draw. So it might be underspined according to a lot of charts, but what we found is our bows in recent years have kind of liked a little bit weaker spine shaft. They're easier to tune. They're more flexible that way. And I could get 300 to tune out of this bow, but I bet you I could also get 400 to tune out of this bow, which no arrow chart would ever tell you to do that. But it's uh, yeah, each bow is pretty just different. Yeah, yeah that's uh, we dabbled Not on uncommon. that a little bit, and we've seen it firsthand. Um, <clears throat> Daniel, 
since basically he just talked about your bow. Uh, <laughs> you might as well keep going. Keep going down that, and then I'll talk about mine, and then we'll wrap it up. What are you uh, shooting? Yeah, so phase four twenty nine. What color? Black riser, first light limbs. Okay. Ten inch uh front bar, eight inch back. Um integrate rest. Uh Garmin sight. Mm-hmm. Detachable that is, has the bridge lock oh, yeah. adapter. Oh, yeah. 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 And a rip TKO three fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Low pro detach or fix? I detach. Yeah. You shoot the engage grip? Um right now I got nothing. I'm just wrapping it. Wrapping it. How about SCS kit? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you use a sling? Last year I did. Yeah. Because I had my Oh, that's bike. right. Yeah. Yep. Rambo guy. <laughs> All right. Uh I'll be the different dude of the category. I shoot a phase four thirty three, elevated two riser, black limbs. I like that. I shoot 75-pound mods, 29-inch draw, um, low-pro detachable. I shoot side plates with a grip tape. That's just kind of, I pick up my TRX. It's the same exact profile when I switch back and forth. I run a 12-inch bridge lock with three ounces, and then I don't know what that end cap weighs, probably an ounce and three quarters. John, I don't know if you guys know the. It should be more. two ounces. Two it's ounces. A Okay. Yep. So actually I have five ounces out front and then I have a, I don't know, eight or 10 inch bar in the back. Eight. Eight yeah. with six extra weights. So eight total on the back. I like a heavy bow. I really do. It's stable. Um, I have the SCS kit engage limbs when I'm practicing or in the turkey blind, which I don't, you know, that bow is, there's no problem with me shooting in a blind. I do have the ultra rest on that one. Um, yeah, I guess I shoot a Hamsky peep, Raptor peep. That's what it's set up. Got the old zebras on there. Working good. I don't, I, I my arrow set up, so that bow actually is not set up. Um, strings are on it, and the stuff's kind of on it, but I'm waiting for the RIP SS from Victory. So RIP TKO, but it's a RIP SS, stainless steel. Um, it'll be a little bit heavier arrow build for that. Yeah, I don't know about the inserts. I'll go back and forth between two different broadheads, either Grim Reaper, Pro Blade, Three Blade, or a Rage. Mm-hmm. Tripan as well. I don't shoot tack veins. I did this year, but I'm not shooting them. I'm going to go back to AAE on my veins. Four Fletch, probably. I love AAE stuff, too. And I love these I love these tack veins, but I, I have a problem fletching them sometimes. They're tougher to get to stick. I think because they're so stiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I've got them fletched, I love the stiffness and how they fly. But AEs are the easiest fletching names I've ever ever tried, and I love how those fly too. I just was looking for something a little bit lighter in the back of my arrow. And yep, these tack veins are a great great combination if you can get them to stick. We've always shot nocturnals. Uh, this year we might be trying something new. That's for another podcast. Or if you see our rigs, you'll see it. But <clears throat> John, it's been uh, awesome, dude. I appreciate it. I, I, we just kind of wanted to nail down some questions. You answered everything fully. I don't think there's anything else, Dan. Do you? I don't think so. Johnny, appreciate it, man. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I had a blast. It was good. Uh, good to talk to some fellow hunters and 
glad things are going well for you guys. It is. We have all of the bows, left hand, right hand, everything that you could ever want for Demo One. Come in and shoot them. We got the image. We also have the Prima from a couple of years that's been out. Uh, we have all the gadgets and gadgets. If you want the bridge lock site for Matthews, we have it. If We have every other connector that you can run from black gold. We have the bridge lock, Garmin, like Dan was saying. Spot hog. Spot hog, Excel. Um, yeah, we have it all, and it's all here for you guys to come enjoy. John, on behalf of that, thank you very much, and Dan as well, sitting in this morning. Great podcast. Come in and shoot them at any of our locations, Wait Park, Brainerd, or right here in Rogers. You can also check all this stuff out online. You can build a bow, bring us the URL, and we can we can send it off for an order. Order turnaround is exceptionally fast. Uh, thank you, Matthews, for that. So guys aren't waiting 6 to 10, 15 weeks. It's, it's a couple of weeks, and you have what you have. And it's good, especially since we're an indoor season. You get to know your bow a little bit. With that being said, everybody take it easy. We'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 